Let's look here in Daniel chapter 2. We're just going to read the latter part in verse number 46. If you could stand with us, please, out of reverence, respect to the Word of the Lord. I never want us to become a church where God's Word is just a, a sideshow side or we treat it. I want us to always respect and reverence the Word of God. Yeah. And when this Bible opens, I'll just give a little footnote. Everything else needs to shut down. Now, every now and again, I understand you forget, and I'm not one of these preachers. Now, I've had some preachers that it's a good thing they didn't have cell phones because it would have been blood. I mean, it would have been bad. If it, but it don't, it don't, I'm just talking about shut. We need to give God's Word. We need to sanctify God's Word in our heart and listen. So the Bible says this in verse 46, Then, king, then the king Nebuchadnezzar fell upon his face and worshipped Daniel. Now, if Daniel had been like many independent, fundamental, Bible-believing King James Baptists, he would have said, you hypocrite, heathen. But for some reason here, he didn't think it was the right time. Uh, he, was with, he was trying to win Nebuchadnezzar to God, and, he, and here he was silent when most times we would have Anyway, that's a whole other message, but um, we don't always have to say everything that's on our mind and try to straighten everybody out. There is a time that we give place to God and Spirit to work on people. And the Bible says, And commanded they should offer an oblation and sweet odors unto him. The king answered unto Daniel and said, Of a truth it is that your God is a God of gods and a Lord of kings and a revealer of secrets, seeing thou couldst reveal his, this secret. Then the king made Daniel a great man. I'm going to say Daniel was a great man before Nebuchadnezzar ever made him anything. God made him a great man. And the Bible says, and gave them many great gifts. And all the kids said, Amen. And mothers, Mother's Day's over. Y'all got a long time for you. Anyway, not my wife, though. She's got the perfect birthday. One week. But anyhow, I'm dropping the plug in for you, Kim. And it says, Then the king made a then the king made Daniel a great man, and gave him many great gifts, and made him ruler over the whole providence, province of Babylon, and chief of the governors over all the wise of men of Babylon. And then Daniel requested the king, and he set Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of ba Babylon. But Daniel sat in the gate of the king. Father, I pray tonight that you take these wonderful truths from the Word of God that you have stirred my heart with in the past few days. And I pray, God, that you'd make it real and you'd make it clear and, and make it evident to all those that are here tonight exactly what it is you want us to get from this text tonight. I thank you, Lord, that you've allowed me this high and holy honor of standing here behind this place and opening this word and preaching. And I pray tonight, Lord, that you'd help me not to say anything or not to say something that you'd want me to say that I'd have to be ashamed of one day at the judgment seat of Christ. I pray the Holy Spirit would enable me and help me and give me that which only He can give. And I pray that for a moment you give everyone here clarity of thought and help us, Lord, to be arrested by the Word of God Help our minds to be saturated by the truths that are here and help our lives, our homes, our church to be changed by the Word of God. If there be one here tonight lost and on their way to hell, I pray you would shake them tonight and show them that they need Jesus. Lord, the song, the lady sung about so many don't know what that's about. But I pray tonight they'd find that whatever they need, that's just what you are tonight. Lord, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Now, as I mentioned, this is the third uh, service sermon, I guess you say, message from 
Daniel chapter 2, the first message, I, I, I'm going to do a quiz tonight, see who remembers, no, I'm just kidding, I'm not going to do that, but the first message we preached on how the practical truth from this chapter about where Daniel said, there is a God in heaven that revealeth secrets, and that is the truth of Daniel chapter 2. And, and as I said then, I'm going to say again, and, and we're going to move on, is, is we don't need to be distracted by all the little details. And a lot of times in the Word of God, especially prophecy, we get so enamored with the, with the, the you know, the image and the, and the toes and the legs and the head and, the, and, and that, we, that we forget that what this is all about is teaching a heathen people that there was a God in heaven Amen. that revealed the secrets. Then last week we looked at it prophetically speaking and we looked at the image and the kingdoms and I don't know if, if, if I made sense of it, I did my best, but the truth of that, of the prophecy of this is Jesus is coming again. Amen. And He ain't coming to take sides, He's coming to take over. Amen. When He comes, that stone that's made without hands, when He comes, He'll crush that image at His feet and it'll crumble and it'll be scattered like the Bible says, it'll be, it'll be scattered like the chaff that the wind drives away. And the Bible said there'd be no place found for them. And then Jesus Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords, will rule and reign on this earth. Amen. Now tonight, I want to look at this personally. And... Uh, and listen, when you read your Bible, preachers, teachers, when you study to try to teach, you know, the Bible says that all, St. Timothy 3.16, all Scripture is given by the God is proper for doctrine, right? For reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And, and when you teach and, and, and when you preach, the first thing you got to find is what does it say? You know, what does it say? What is, the, what is the truth here? What does it mean? That's, that would be doctrine. But then there, the hard part sometimes for me and maybe not for others, but uh, is making application, answering that question, so what does it mean to me? And, and you understand this happened a long time ago. And of everything I've read, and I've read a lot on this chapter, I've not found anybody, anybody that made personal application. I said, thank you. Thank you, Mr. Phillips. Thank you, Wearsby. Thank you, J. Vernon McGee. Thank you, M.R. DeHaan. Thank you, Matthew Henry. Old faithful Matt. He let me down. There's no, it's all, and, and, but I believe tonight all scripture is not just doctrine, but for reproof, that's what's wrong. For correction, that's how to get it right. And in instruction and righteousness, that's how to keep our lives right with God. So I'm, it's going to be a little different tonight. And I hope it makes sense. It's made sense to me, but that doesn't always mean that it'll make sense to everybody else. I want to preach tonight quickly on some personal truths that are learned from perilous times. Would everyone agree tonight that Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and I'm give up on naming them the real names. I can't, I, Hannah and I, I mean, you know who I'm. Will we all agree that when we find them in chapter two, this would be the definition of a perilous time in their life. Everybody agree? This was, this was a tough time. This was one of those, what we call a crisis. You know, it wasn't man-made. This wasn't some made-up news, you know, gas shortage. And somebody said something there the other day said, uh, maybe they wish the media would say that there's a job shortage and maybe everybody go get a job. But anyhow, but <laughs> you know, it's a sad day when Red's Donuts can't find help. Sad day. I might near volunteer to work for free. You understand what I'm talking about? 
I mean, you know, I mean, if they was hiring at Little Debbie for a, for a taste tester, I, I guarantee there's some wouldn't, wouldn't even wouldn't even apply. But I don't know what that's talking about here, but we're talking about some personal truths from perilous times. But I thought I'd get that in. Doing something about this. But I'll just show you some things tonight. Um, so, so the thing is this. This is why I said all that. I don't know why, but y'all pray for me. I said all that to say this, and I have studied. I probably studied too much. That's the problem. We learn more, here it is, in perilous times in our life than we do any other time in our life. I didn't say we enjoyed it more. I didn't say we wanted it more. But if we'd all be honest, in the roughest and the most difficult and the most adverse times of our life, Abraham Lincoln said that adversity is a much more faithful friend than prosperity. And I want you to know tonight, from this day in Daniel chapter 2, until the day these men died, they learned some things from this experience in their life that they carried with them till they went to heaven. And when they got there, I believe they all said, we're glad it happened because, because it happened. We learned some things about ourselves. We learned some things about the Lord. We learned some things about the world that we never would have known if things hadn't got the way they were. I want to say tonight that we've got options tonight as far as the world we live. We're living in perilous times. That's what I was saying that earlier. We are in perilous times. At perilous times, Reds Donut can't, can't hire. I don't know. I'm looking in Revelations trying to find that. I'm pretty sure that's the last sign of the coming of the Lord. If it ain't, it's near. But Brother Justin, we're living in perilous times. People are absolutely just out of control. It's spiraling. And, and listen, I went today. I, I was, I, I, anyway, long story short, I went to the gas station and I was going to cheat and backslide. Don't judge me, Justin. I was going to get a Snickers bar. But I saw there's 259. And I slid right back on the straight and narrow way. And everything. And, and that's just, but I'm just saying tonight. That we've got options. We can gripe about it. We can, and that feels good and it's fun, you know. That's what God invented Facebook for, to get on there and gripe about things and fuss. But, but, but we can, we can just act like there's nothing going on and everything's alright. We can hide our head, put our head in the sand and say, you know, I'm just going to act like everything. But the truth is, I, I really think tonight that we can learn some things from the times we're in, like these boys learned some things from the times they were in. Now, I want you to see this, and, and, and I, I, again, I've got several things I want to say, so I want you to read this in your own time, the whole chapter maybe, and try to see it for yourself. But in verses 1 through 13, now follow me. They learned a truth about dealing with their foes. Now, whether you realize it or not, the preacher is not the only one that's got enemies. In fact, you know, these boys had three primary enemies. Nebuchadnezzar, these wise, so-called wise men, that was their competition. You understand? They were still mad at them about the, the beans and the water they had to eat and drink. They had, the, they had Nebuchadnezzar, they had these men, but then they, got, they had another, the worst one they had to deal with. Guess who it was? Themselves. And, and listen to that. The Bible says this in 2 Corinthians 11, I think verse 3 or something. I should have wrote it down. It says that we're not to be ignorant of his devices, the devil's devices. Do you know what that ignorant means? <laughs> I'm going to give an illustration. I'm, I'm just kidding. 
We all know ignorant, right? It means not knowing, not understanding, not having it. Very, so, so listen tonight. I think tonight a lot of our defeats that we suffer in the Christian life is due to a lack of understanding our foe. One thing I like about sports is strategy. And I like, you know, like baseball. Everybody says, ba I enjoy watching it. I used to until they took the All-Star game. I haven't watched the game all year. But, um, but I, I, I like strategy, you know. I, and, and, and it really frustrates me when, when I see people use poor strategy, you know. Girl gets up there, you know, softball, and she yanks one down the foul line. I'm talking about 330 yards. It's foul by that far. Hey, let's throw her another fastball right down the middle see what she does. Well, that's real smart. You know what I mean? A little girl gets up there and she's hit, she's got her back cross-handed like Hank Aaron used to hit, and she's standing there with her knees bowed out like this, and she's like this, and, and she and and the, and they, the girl throws the ball, and and before she ever moves the bat, strike one. She don't even. And the, all right, let's try to throw her a changeup. Let's slow the ball down for her. And I see, I know some of I don't know what I'm talking. That's dumb. That's ignorant. And, and you know what it comes from? A, a lack of knowledge, a lack of understanding the foe. And, and you know tonight, a lot of times we lose and we and we're defeated because we're we don't understand. We don't understand most, most Christians tonight are in spiritual kindergarten. And they've been there for 15 years. <laughs> And why? Because they keep failing the same test over and over and over. But listen, in perilous times, these young men learned some truths about dealing with the foe. Now quickly, I want you to see this. They learned this. The foe, they were, they was, they were confused by the Word of God. Now chapter 1, now, I mean chapter 2 verse 1. Now you understand when this was written, there was no completed Bible. You understand? And God was still speaking through visions and that's what happened. But this dream Nebuchadnezzar had, who gave him that dream? God did. So this, in, 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 in some way, I don't believe it's stretching it or, or reading into it, but this was a revelation from God. God was showing him what had happened, what was happening, and what was going to happen. And this man got mad. Why? Because he couldn't understand. I want you to know tonight, why is the world mad? Because they're confused by the Word of God. And listen, we get mad at the world because they don't understand. I got news. They can understand. It, the, it, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2 that the natural man receiveth not the things of God, of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. And Nebuchadnezzar got mad at the Word of God. He got mad over the Word of God because he did not understand. I want to say tonight, the world don't understand. They don't understand. They don't understand the Bible. They don't understand truth. They don't understand. And you say, well, we're in the Bible Belt. Listen, the lost people, whether they've been in church or not, they don't understand. And, and listen, when we're dealing with, the, with our foe, when we're dealing with the world, the flesh, the devil, when we're dealing with these enemies that we have to confront at work, at school, in the neighborhood, at the grocery store, at the gas station, amen, at the gas station, we need to remember that they, they've got a problem and it's really not with us, it's with God. You say, I just don't understand why they don't get it. Well, they don't, they're never going to get it until they get saved. Well, I try to tell them this is what this is what that says. You can give them a hundred Bible verses. You you can beat them up over the beer. You can beat them up over the marijuana. You can beat them up over everything, the music. And listen to me, they do not understand. 
You can say, oh, well, you shouldn't do this and you shouldn't do that, you know, and get in arguments. And listen, the truth of the matter is, Nebuchadnezzar was the most powerful man in the world, but one revelation from God had him tore up. He was confused by the work. Now look, verse 5, it says this. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, the thing is gone for me. If you'll not make known unto me the dream with the interpretation thereof, ye shall be cut in pieces. My, isn't that a good boss to have? Sounds like come Brother Jared. And your houses shall be made a dunghill. And I'm not looking up. In verse number, third, verse number 12, for this cause the king was angry and very furious and commanded to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. So, listen, so I want you to notice this. When we're doing our phone, you know, there, there's confusion by the Word of God. But notice this, they were concerned by the woe. I mean, these men, would you not be worried if the king said, "If okay, y'all tell me what I dreamed. Don't just, I don't want to know what it means. Tell me what I dreamed, and then tell me why I dreamed it. And if you can't tell me what I dreamed and why I dreamed it, and by the way, I don't even remember what I dreamed myself, then I'm going to cut you in pieces. That's going to be your reward. And I'm going to make your house a dunghill. That's not a place you want to live. Amen. Uh, but anyhow, uh, and he says, I'm going to destroy you. And I'm, I'm saying tonight, the world, you'll know what? one of the things that's wrong with our foe tonight is they're under the judgment of Almighty God. Now listen to this. Nebuchadnezzar loved these men. Nebuchadnezzar wanted these men, hear me now, until they couldn't give him what he wanted from them. Does that sound like anybody else we know in the Bible? Sounds a lot like the devil, don't it? The devil will love you. I mean, he'll 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 pamper you. He'll pat you on the back. He'll he'll he'll. Uh, I saw this week uh, the the boy he played quarterback for Hawaii, uh, Colt Brennan. He was a hero back there in, in two thousand and seven, and uh, until he met the big black machine and big machine in red and black coming down the tracks, and he got. Uh, but anyhow, God may rest in peace. But. But he, he overdosed and, and he took some drugs. He's been battling drug addiction for 15 years. And, uh, and, and they, somebody laced some of his drugs with that fentanyl stuff and he died alone. And, and I thought, how, how, how sad is that? And listen tonight, uh, the devil, listen, he was big stuff in 2007. Sports Illustrated, he was going to be this and going to be that. And he washed out in the NFL and he got on dope and got on alcohol. And then he ended up overdosing on fitting all by himself. To me, that sounds kind of like Nebuchadnezzar. As long as you can tell me what I want you to tell me, as long as you can help me, I'll keep you on the payroll. I'll feed you. I'll clothe you. I'll put a roof over your head. But when you can't help me, I'm done with you. In the Lord, the opposite of that. When He comes to us as sinners, He doesn't ask for anything. He doesn't listen and He does it despite what we are. Despite what we've done, despite how, and, and so tonight we learn about the foe and this, the, the woe. They were concerned about what? They were controlled by the wicked. These men were under the control of Nebuchadnezzar. What they did, what he told them to do, they had to do. I want you to know tonight that lost people, they're under the control of, a, of something bigger than themselves. 
You listen to that. If you, I don't understand how people cannot see it still. Spirit, spiritual people, saved folks, can't still see what's going on in this world. There's evil. You understand? This isn't Republican and Democrat. It's not donkeys and elephants. It's not. And, and listen, they're just coming up with new stuff every week, just throwing out new stuff, just seeing if it, throwing it against the wall, seeing if it'll stick, and everybody's swallowing it. I mean, hook, line, and sinker. Uh, but the problem tonight, listen to me, the problem tonight is behind all this that's going on. And there's a greater one, a mightier one, a more evil one who is pulling the strings on the pole and they don't understand they're controlled by the world. Amen. There was some compassion by witness. I only see this verse 24. What are we to do? Therefore Daniel went in unto Arioch, whom the king had ordained to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said unto him, Destroy not the wise men of Babylon. That's compassion. Now listen to me. Y'all boys help me now. I know y'all been paying attention, Drew. We're practicing for them big exams. Take out a pen, a piece of paper. Number your page, 1 through 12. 11 and 12 will be bonus questions. There's only one question on this quiz. And it's 99.9% .9 of your grade for the whole semester. It said, and I forgot the question. We both fell, Drew. Yeah, baby, fourth grade again. You'll be driving to school by middle school. Oh, yes. Okay, Daniel told Ariot, don't destroy who? The wise men. I want to ask you, what was Daniel in Babylon? He was a... Now look, if Daniel was one of these get ahead at all costs cut everybody's throat, climb the ladder at everybody, no matter who he has to hurt, no matter, then he would have said, mm, once you get done killing them wise men, I'm going to tell you about your dream. Because guess what? If all the wise men were dead, there'd only been four. And I'm talking about then, Daniel and Shadrach, they'd have all the negotiating power. Okay, they'd say lentils and water for everybody. Bring that, that treasure, the, the, all them treasures of our God that you put. I mean, but Brother, Brother Zeke, they had, they had compassion. And by the way, I think those wise men probably hadn't been too nice to Daniel's chat over the last three years. They probably made fun of them. They probably, probably insult. And I don't know that for a fact. But I just assume that they would have been the ones like you kids at school, the ones that make fun of you and laugh at you and, 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 and mock you and question you and maybe your coworkers that, that ridicule you or maybe your neighbor that, uh, that, that you understand that's what they were. But when it come time and Daniel had the power to, to allow them to die, he said, don't kill them. Don't kill them. You know, that's real compassion. That's real love when you have the right and you have the ability to get even, but you don't. And so Daniel had compassion. Listen, they could, have, they could have got rid of all the competition. I mean, they could have been in line for a promotion and it wouldn't, they wouldn't have been talking about the wise men from this providence and the wise men. There had only been four wise men and they would have been ruling the roofs. They would have been high on the hog. They, I mean, they would have been the kingpins of all the wise men in Babylon. But they said, we can't stand to see another week. Don't let them die. Save them part and then don't kill them. 
Listen tonight, we need to make sure we have that heart towards the lost where we understand the things that they say to us, uh, uh, the, the, the way they treat us, the way they look at us, the way they laugh at us. We can't allow it to be bitterness and anger in our heart and, and have a, a, a mind that says, I'll be glad when they die. I'll be glad, won't you? You understand, there's some people, I've heard preachers preach on hell like they were glad people was going there. I don't understand that. And they say things like, fry like bacon in hell. Let me tell you something, that's making light of some of the most awful truths in the Word of God. Amen. Hope you fry like a piece of sausage. You understand? I can't, I can't stand that. Maybe that tickles your pickle. Maybe that lights your fire. Maybe that floats your boat. But it makes me want to upchuck when I hear it. Amen. I don't think Jesus would have preached like that, would you? You know what Jesus did? He looked over, over there, over there in the end of his life, near the end. He stood on a hill, Luke chapter uh, uh, 9, 17, I think it is. And he looked over Jerusalem and he wept over it. He said, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Oh, he said, I would have gathered you as a. And let me tell you, those were the ones that were going to crucify him. Yet we let one co-worker, one classmate, one person, you don't understand, and we build up this contempt towards them and we wonder why we have no influence on them. We wonder why we have no uh, uh, effect on them. And, and, we wonder, and, and listen, a lot of this whining and complaining about being persecuted is self-inflicted wounds. Don't poke the bear and get mad when you get bit. <laughs> anyway... Anyway, I could go on on that, but I'm not going to. So he said, how, how, dealing with our foe. We learned that in tr difficult times. Now this and this, they learned about the dividends of their faith. Let me say this. It pays to trust God. Right. Now, they didn't start trusting God in chapter 2. But they're getting now they're starting to reap the benefits of trusting God. I want you to see this. Their faith, their faith. These boys kept their faith despite everything that was thrown at them in chapter 1. And because of that, listen, they were ready for chapter 2. Now listen to me. I don't know what chapter 2 is going to be for my life. But I know I better trust God in chapter 1. Because if they had have taken the king's meat, if they had drunk the king's wine, if they had fallen in with all the other people from Israel and Jerusalem, and if they had fell in with them and just become, then I got news for you, there would be no Daniel chapter 2. But because in chapter number 1, they said, we're going to believe our God, we're going to trust our God, now the real test is coming. And listen tonight, faith, I'm, I'm going to say this, they had some serious problems. You say, oh, that's a dividend of faith. Listen, when we trust the Lord, it doesn't mean our problems are going to end. Listen, faith, faith does not prevent us from trouble. It prepares us for trouble. And so, they had some serious problems. Because you look back in verse number uh, 13, and the decree went forth that the wise men should be slain. Now here it is. It's all good up until this point. And they sought Daniel and his fellows to be slain. Guess who was on the chop block too? Daniel and his fellows. The fellows was on the chop block. And so this is a problem. Would you agree? If they come out tonight and said, all right, you're all going to die. I'd say we'd all. I mean, I understand some people make big, bigger problems out of little and they, they, they over-exaggerate. But this is no exaggeration. This is trouble for men that were men of faith. Do you believe that? 
So tonight when we have faith, we don't need to think we're exempt from trouble. We don't need to think we're prevented from trouble and we're going to bypass trouble. But we can have confidence that our faith that's good in the good times will be good in the bad times. They had some serious problems. They had a, sac- a sanctified place. The Bible says in verse 17, then Daniel went to his house. Daniel went to his house. Daniel had a house, so a faith that went all the way home with him. Most people's today's faith don't believe the church back doors. He had a sanctified place. This was his place. I mean, listen, it was his, this was an hour of, of great trial. I mean, this was a time, of, I mean, this was a crossroads, if you would, in his life. And he didn't run down to the wise man's house. He didn't run and try to find the answer from a prophet or, or maybe somebody, but he went to his own house. He had a sanctified place. I want to ask you something tonight. Do you have a place set aside uh, that when trouble comes and, 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 and turmoil begins to rise, uh, do you have a place that's set aside? The Bible said he went to his house. He said, I can go down there and find God. I can go down there and find the answer. I'm going to my house. Then, then look at this. Because of faith, they had some, there were some special people in his life. Bible said in verse 17, and made the thing known to him, and Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Now notice this, his companions. That word companion is interesting. It means to be together. To be in fellowship with. To join oneself to, to be in a league together. Daniel had them, and they had Daniel. I want to say it's not be careful who you make your companions. Daniel, these three boys were they were tight knit. That's why it means compact together. I mean, you listen, you couldn't separate them. They was together. Uh, they was together. And listen, in that time, uh, in that hour, that hour of, of distress, Daniel went home. Uh, but thank God there were some people uh, that he could pour his heart out to and let them know what was going on. Everybody needs to have some companions in the Christian life. I thank God for my companions, the work of the Lord. Verse 18, we see there was a specific prayer. I'm not going to read for sake of time, but I've got news. They didn't pray for better weather. They didn't pray for a good crop to come up. They didn't pray for any. They prayed for one thing. They prayed for mercy and they prayed for an answer from God. Listen now, we need to be specific in what we pray for and where and, and how, when we pray. Listen, they didn't beat around the bush. They didn't start all with this long, eloquent prayer. But all four of them got a hold of the horns of the altar and said, God, we need an answer from you. Specific prayer, special people. Notice this in verse 19, there was some sweet peace. The Bible says, verse 19, then. Now I want you to notice this. Then was the secret revealed unto Daniel. Here it is in a night vision. You know when God gave him the answer? When he was asleep. Now, Brother Aaron, if, if I was on the chopping block, I mean, I, I don't know how I could have gone to sleep. I could have took melatonin, Tylenol, PM. I mean, even gotten the old cough medicine. You know what I'm talking about? And I couldn't have gone to sleep. If I mean, listen, what would most of us be doing? We'd be pacing the floor. I mean, what are we going to do? I don't know. God, you know I've got to give an answer tomorrow. How are we going to get an answer? We don't have the answer. We've done prayed and the answer ain't come. And how, what am I going to do? And, and maybe, we was trying to, maybe we'd be trying to pull up a, an escape route. But all right, Brother Hobbs, I'm going first. 
You go second. You know, you ain't got to outrun the bear. You just got to outrun the one next to you. <laughs> now, look, I'm going to put this bright yellow shirt on you because it'll blend in with all the gold down here with a bullseye on it. Now, that's not a bullseye. It's a, a distraction. I'm just kidding, Brother Hop. <laughs> Brother David, you know what he done? He prayed about it and he went to bed. Brother Willard, you say this when you have things that are worrying to death. He said, eat some Briar's ice cream, take a Tylenol PM, and go to bed. And that's exactly what he did. And, and listen, you, while he was worrying the vision, nope. While he was thinking, nope. While he was working and trying and straining and trying to pull strings, and no, when he laid down his head, and when he stopped trying, when he stopped worrying, when he stopped working, that's when God gave him an answer. You know what? God may be waiting on some of us tonight to just lay our head down and say, Lord, I can't do nothing about it. I can't fix it. I can't straighten it out. But I'm going to go to bed. I'm going to spiritually speak it. You know, Adam didn't go looking for a wife. Adam and Eve didn't go looking for us as far as I know. A rib didn't pop out and say, hey, good looking. You know what Adam did? He went to sleep. And when he woke up, God had him there. A beautiful bride, a wife, someone to love. And listen tonight, you and I, we all are, are apt to worry. I believe and some people are more, dis, their disposition is to worry more. And, and I deal with it. And, and others in here deal with it. And we fret. And we wonder. And we try to toss our thoughts and our ideas and our plans. And uh, maybe I could do this. And maybe I could do that. And uh, maybe I could uh, work on this a little more. Maybe I could work on this. Maybe I could do something about this. My grandmother was that way. I mean, she'd worry and try. She'd think, man, if I could buy, maybe if I buy them that or give them a gift or, uh, you know, or, or, and maybe it'll make things better. But sometimes, you know what God wants us to do is just go lay our head down, trust in Him. Amen. Verse 19 through 23, there was sacred praise. It's sacred because they praised God before they knew the answer was right. They didn't have to have the king tell them it was right. God had already shown them. It was faith. In Daniel chapter 2, in this perilous time, they learned the truth about the dependability of their heavenly Father. God is a God can be counted on. There's three great things we learn in this story about God. One, that He always seeks the sinner. Nebuchadnezzar, would you agree, was probably the chief of sinners in the world. And God woke him up. And let me tell you what God done for me one night, a 16 year old, He woke me up. God seeks sinners. It doesn't matter. I want you to understand think about how much evil maybe He didn't do Himself, but He was responsible for. All the murder and all the wickedness that was going on in the world. Guess who was in charge of it? He was responsible for it all. But yet God said, I'm going to stir his heart. I'm going to wake him up. And this was all. If you study this, you'll find that God was drawing this wicked king, this Gentile king unto himself. Listen tonight, we've got a father who's faithful in drawing sinners unto himself. We learn he always seeks the sinner. We also learn He always sustains the saints. He was everything that they needed Him to be. He gave them exactly what they needed when they needed the most. And what He done for them, He'll do for us. 
We find this, that this God, they learned that He always has a solution for every situation. Nobody had the answer but God. But He gave them what they needed. The Bible says in verse 49, I'm going to show you all this and we're done. Then Daniel requested of the king. Now, this is ironic. This ain't ironic. This is what we call the providence of God, sovereignty of God, overruling the affairs of man. The, God, the king made them rulers over the wise men. Did you know this tonight? God can turn the tables in our life too. That one that's making your life miserable right now at work, that one that's mocking you at school, that one that's giving you the hardest time, you just trust God, be faithful to God, and let Him do the table turning. Because it may come a day where they're having to answer to you, or they're, they're having to come to you for help. But the Bible says in verse 49, then Daniel requested for the king, and he said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the fairs of the province of Babylon. But Daniel sat in the gate and he said, big deal. Well, here it is. They learned something about being devoted to their friends. Now follow me, and I'm done. When Daniel needed somebody, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was there for him. And when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego needed somebody, Daniel was there for them. That's the way friendship should be. And, and listen, think about this. Have you ever had anybody that says, if you ever need anything, just call me. And then you call them and you hear, beep, two, seven, oh, I ain't going to say none of y'all's numbers. Four, 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 four. It's unable to come to the phone right now. Beep, hi, uh, you know, remember you tell me that time that uh, if I ever need anything, well, uh, I could use some help. Uh, uh, call me back as soon as you can. Beep. And you hang, now, now here's this new technology: text messages. I don't. I hate to tell, but you know when you send them on the people. This is one of the good things about iPhone is it says red. <laughs> You're like, hey brother, you remember when that time I come pulled you out of the ditch? And you was drunk, and I didn't call the law, and, and I didn't tell nobody, and I had mercy on you. And you, you, you remember that? And you said, if you ever need help, well, I need help. i got to move this so-and-so. Can you help me with this? I, I, you know, I'll pay you if you need help. And you sit sin, and you watch it. Deliver? Red. I want to get on there, and that, not like Daniel. Not, I know I done preached against this, but I, I, I'm not saying I do. But I want to be like, I know you read it, you sorry dog. I know you read it. You read it. Because I seen you read it. But listen to me. That's not the kind of friends Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was. Did you know friendship will cost you something? Do you believe that? Who's the greatest friend there's ever been? He's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Did it cost him to be our friend? And, and, and you know, the Bible says a man that hath friends... Must show himself friendly. But right here, I've seen this a lot over the years. Not a lot, but some. Daniel got a high and exalted position. I'm talking about the king of Babylon was saying, hey, bring a sacrifice in here to this man. I mean, and I mean, Daniel now was officially what you'd call a big shot. 
But guess what? Who wasn't a big shot? Hananiah, Abednego, I've done got it all messed up. Y'all know, them other three. They were still just low servant. And if Daniel had been like a lot of people, he would have said, he would have forgot they ever existed. You remember when Joseph gave the butler, when, when he told him his dreams and interpreted dreams, he said, don't forget me. Remember me. And he got up to Potiphar's hat back in the palace and he forgot all about him. But here Daniel is. He's got this position. He's got this power. And, he, and he's up there. And he says, oh king. He said, there's three boys down there. If it hadn't been for them when I needed them, they prayed for you like I did. They were, they were a part of the solution. They, they helped me go to God and get an answer. Oh king, would you bring them out? Would you give them a position? And the king sent for them. And listen said to me now, listen, there'll come a time when you will need somebody. There'll come a time when you need somebody to help you and to come to you and be there for you and until that time comes then you need to be there and you need to help them like you would want them to help you. Amen. 